Welcome to the Supply Chain Pioneers Podcast, where we highlight industry leaders on the forefront of innovation and technology in planning, procurement, and logistics. Hosted by your supply chain pro to know, Ulf Venn. Welcome to a new episode of Supply Chain Pioneers. And this time I have with me Clara Beuten-Müller, who is a Vice President of Supply Chain Operations at Philip Morris International. She has great experience in supply chain management, and she comes from a sales background, moved into supply chain operations to then transform herself, but also transform the companies she worked with. You will see it's a great wealth of knowledge that you can acquire here about how to drive change within an organization. And we also talk about a lot of other fun things like Brazilian music, how to manage risks in logistics, but also the biggest disaster that Brazil ever happened. You will hear more about this at the end of the episode. And for now, I wish you a lot of fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Supply Chain Pioneers. And with me today, I have Clara. Hi, Clara. How are you? Hello, Wolf. How are you? Uh, good. Thanks for having me here today. Of course. No, I'm good as well. Perfect. Beautiful weather. So it's a good time to hang out and chat about supply chain. Uh, why don't we start with a short introduction? Thank you. Maybe a quick introduction. And I think it really resonates with the podcast today. My whole career has been in supply chain, Wolf, right? Uh, I spent my first uh, 13 years in the logistics service provider side in roles ranging from customer service and operations into business development and sales. First one was Conic Brazil, with small freight forwarder. Then I moved to Panalpina and finally to DB Schenken. After having uh, you know, this exposure to the logistics provider side, I decided to take my career uh, to Schneider Electric, where I spent my last uh, 10 years. Started there back in 2013. And again, on a variety of roles in logistics operation, transformation, and, and finally, supply chain planning. I had the opportunity to live in several countries during this period with Schneider. So initially in Brazil, where we were going through an execution of a big transformation agenda in logistics. And being part of that was quite exciting, many transformations that we've managed in customs, in last mile delivery, and on the intercontinental flows as well as we were going more into a model of lead logistics provider and control tower setup. So it was really exciting three years in, in Brazil. Then I moved to Singapore, where I spent five years initially taking care of air and ocean globally for Schneider. And it evolved naturally to control tower, right? so designing it from scratch, defining what the implementation would look like, and then finally running that. And I believe that has evolved over time and really became an important differentiation factor for the supply chain in Schneider, right, in regards to reliability and anticipation. And then finally, I moved to Hungary, where I spent a year and a half more on the end-to-end -end supply chain planning process on a period that supply chain was severely disrupted, right, by, by several factors and really having the chance to experience that was super uh, enriching for me. And now since May this year, I've been with Philip Morris International. I moved to Belgium, so it's a new uh, experience and opportunity for me as well. And I'm responsible today for the whole global logistics operation. So that means fulfillment, warehousing, uh, distribution, network design, and track and trace. So all in all, I would say supply chain gave me the opportunity of living in several countries and really learning from the experience of uh, different uh, industries as well. And we're going to deep dive on all of that from here on out. So let's start maybe with the first beginnings. 
How did you start in supply chain management? What was the motivation to look for your first job? And then the next follow-up question, obviously, is why did you stay? It came uh, naturally for me, right? I did my studies in uh, foreign trade. Back then, it was all around, you know, globalization. And by the time I, I started in university and I already, you know, jumped into the, into the uh, freight forwarding industry from the beginning. And from that point on, my career kind of evolved right in supply chain, as I said working on three different logistics providers. And I decided as well to continue my studies in supply chain. So I, I, I did my master as well in supply chain management. But as you said, I mean, I think uh, why we decided to stay, right? For me, it was really because of the dynamics that supply chain brings. And it's not, you know, fancy word is really what we live every day, right? And we can see that uh, by working in supply chain, you can bring value to the business. You have the chance to learn continuously. And if we look at the evolution that we have uh, witnessed in supply chain, it's incredible, right? Uh, and here, if I go back to my very first job, the level of digitization we had in supply chain was barely minimal. I had to access uh, MS-DOS kind of a system, you know, with the black and white screens in order to know whether or not a shipment had been released from customs, right? So no alert system whatsoever, transaction by transaction interaction, and seeing that how that has evolved, you know, to level one, reporting to BI and to all what we have to do today, you know, with big data and analytics, going to prescription, prediction and all of that. I think it's great, you know, from uh, having having the opportunity of uh, experience all of that. And still today, it, it's exciting to come to work and see the evolution that uh, we have in the supply chain. As a follow-up question, because you started in a more customer-facing role with customer service and then you even went to sales, and then you made a move into operations. What inspired this move? I mean, operation is where really the action is, right? I mean, it's where you feel the drumbeat of how supply chain things gets done. You have the opportunity to make an impact, uh, of course, on the customer delivery experience. And uh, I would say placing supply chain as a factor of differentiation, right? What we discussed before, delivery reliability and flexibility, it's a factor for customer decision. And we are directly uh, impacting that, right? So that's what operations bring. Of course, on, on the sales side, on the key account management side, you have the opportunity of, uh, of other streams, right? But really on operation is where you can have a direct impact. I also would say that it provides a good balance between daily execution, so business as usual, and managing transformation, right? So how you set up your day, your calendar, you know, to tackle the, the challenge of supply chain operations, but how... By taking those learnings, and you are able to really build a transformation agenda. And depending on the role that you are, and I think I had the opportunity, uh, you know, on my past experience, including my current one, to really have the chance of balancing both quite well, and that really I, I enjoy doing. So digital, I mean, I would say uh, it's also another pull factor, right? I think I'm super passionate about everything around digital. Therefore, you know, having the chance of experience that in supply chain and being part of the transformation agenda. Uh, really, I mean, it uh, makes a difference for me. So all in all, I would say customer service and sale experience for me were critical. Uh, and it helps, you know, and confirms that uh, everything that we do in supply chain takes into account what are the customer needs, right? Uh, so the balance between both, uh, it's very impactful. But also there's another factor that is you do learn different skills in uh, supply chain operations and sales and key account management. What are some of these skills that you learned in the early stages of your career on the customer-facing side that, that still help you today? 
Sure. No, I think on sales, you need to understand what are clearly the customer needs. And sometimes when you when you receive a tender, an RFQ, you know, a request for a quotation, uh, sometimes it's not so obvious what the customer is looking for, right? So when you are working on sales, you really need to dive deep on uh, what are the customer's, uh, you know, uh, decision factors, what problem they are trying to solve, you know, this whole uh, understanding of uh, customer needs and then building something that is compelling. It's not only about the PowerPoint piece, of course, communication. I think it's something that uh, we bring from sales. Uh, you know that uh, you've been on that field as well, but it's how you can translate customer needs into a solution that is simple, right? It's not fancy and not always require huge investments, right? Sometimes it's a really a simple problem, uh, you know, and solution. So I think this is what sales really has helped me with. It's um, uh, uh, on this area. If I go to key account management, right? Because on key account management, you really look at customer needs from an end-to-end point of view on the logistics side, of course. It's how we can bring people together, right? So you are facing internally different functions of the company, but at the end of the day, what the customer is looking for is one, you know, point of contact, right? And so it's really around bringing people together. It's driving change, right? Which for us today in any project that we manage, we manage in the company in any transformation. Uh, it's around stakeholder management, um, the change management. So I would say this piece on the key account management for me was very important as well. I could continue the list, but uh, for me, uh, the experience I had in sales, you know, leading a team, leading the different uh, functions of sales, really something that I value a lot, that experience. And I'm sure, and I know it has had a very big impact on, you know, how I shaped my career from that point onwards. In sales, we, we often talk about challenging the status quo to commit the customer to change because essentially sales managers, good ones, are also change managers. And a big of part of your career was actually spearheading change and challenging the status quo. I don't know a better reference for driving change within an organization than you. What would be like three of the most important techniques you have to do that? And what are you willing to share with us? I continuously reflect on that. I have mentors. I also mentor people. It's really a topic that, uh, you know, brings uh, me uh, to reflection all of those discussions. If I would have to list three, uh, Ulf, uh, first is embracing change, right? Uh, it's uh, how you can, uh, you know, having this transformation mindset uh, that you're all, always, uh, you know, challenging how things get done. You know, uh, you are seizing really opportunities. Uh, but equally, it's how, you know, you, you have the vision, but you have a pragmatic way of delivering results, right? I mean, uh, you need to build the journey. You need to say, okay, this is my North, North Star, but then you, you, you deliver on incremental change. So, you know, not being afraid of change and really embracing that, for me, it's, uh, it's key if you want to drive your career, you know, in that direction. And second, it's being aware, right? I mean, awareness of what you want to achieve. So once you define... Uh, what your goals are, you know, not necessarily on a title or a position. For me, that has never been, you know, an ambition, to be very honest with you. It's more about, around the journey, you know, and the continuous learning experience. So if you know where you want to go, which direction you want to uh, head your career towards, is are you having, is asking yourself if you are having the right experience, the right exposure that will lead to to where you want to go, right? Where you want to drive your career into. 
And third is uh, never stop learning, right? Um, I mean, uh, if you are, if I am comfortable in a position, right, uh, I would say it, it never happened or it doesn't happen very frequently. But, you know, if you are comfortable, if your days go by very easily, if you see that you are not learning enough, I would say probably it's time for you to make a move, right? So, uh, yeah, embrace change, you know, uh, being aware of what you want to achieve, achieve, build your own journey, own your career development. And, and never stop learning. Yeah, this is what worked for me. I mean, I hope it resonates with you. And I think uh, looking at your career experience and how you pivot as well uh, during that, uh, yes, I hope it's useful for the audience. <laughs> yeah, definitely will be. The last stop I did operationally was also supply chain planning, and I found that to be a really interesting journey. And you went away from from looking at transportation into the supply chain planning world, what was for you the reason to go away from your transportation routes? And then also, what experience helped you there that you had before? And what were the new skills that you picked up? Honestly, it was about a change, right? And in my career, a few times I had uh, opportunities, let's say, to uh, move one step uh, further in the organization to do the same I was doing or to do something else, right? It happened when, you know, during the uh, control tower journey, it happened again on the, you know, the supply chain change. Uh, and now again, right? So it's really about the learning uh, opportunity, right? It's really saying, okay, if, um, if I go to that direction, it means it's a complete new field, let's say in terms of technical expertise, right? Of course, uh, I have the end-to-end uh, -end, uh, supply chain experience right but really going deep into planning for me was an opportunity which that you know that my previous position gave me yeah. i would say there are several things in uh, transportation in logistics that we can use in supply chain planning right uh, one of that i mean it's risk management right i mean how you build uh, how you map uh, the risks in the uh, supply and demand side how you make sure that you have the right contingency in place that you have you know a defined plan depending on how things evolve it's an important, you know, learning from transformation agenda, from a transportation scope that we can usually apply in planning or in any other field, right? Uh, second, I would say it's also on the digital uh, roadmap, right? So how you can, uh, you know, create transparency with data, how you can use data to improve your decision-making uh, process. But on a pragmatic way, Wolf, right? I mean, uh, you know, it's not saying I need data, you know, those buzzwords that we keep hearing it's about use cases, right? So which problem you want to solve on the demand variability, you know, on our inventory levels uh, and how you define the right data set, the right, you know, form of discussions with stakeholders in order to take the decisions uh, that makes more sense for the company. So, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's about those, you know, type of skills that you acquire on the different jobs you are exposed to that at, at the end, yes, uh, you have changes depending on the more uh, specific field that you are in, but I think it provides learning on, on both ways. And third, if I finalize maybe on this point, it's also about people, right? I mean, it's, uh, I, I met, you know, really great people with high level of expertise when I, during the period I was in supply chain planning, uh, and it really demonstrates that you have to have the right mix between technical expertise, but also innovation and thinking, you know, out of the box saying, okay, because we have always done things that way, it doesn't mean that we have to continue. It's quite the opposite, right? So I'd say having this right mix of uh, expertise and innovation, it's also uh, important. Uh, and it was, it's something that I, I take from me from my uh, planning period. 
Okay, now I want to pivot to the reason why we met, which mm -hmm. is you have scaled what I find to be a very impressive internal control tower within Schneider. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how we also got together and uh, tackled the risk management portion. But not only I find that to be very impressive, but also Gartner, because Schneider is now the number one co top company in the Gartner supply chains. Obviously, having an internal control tower is quite an investment. So why did Schneider start doing this and why was it a good idea essentially in the long run to to work on that kind of route look i mean if i take maybe this question from another angle right and uh, i would say uh you know both uh insourcing or outsourcing model work right uh, it's really uh you need to define clearly you know what is your use case what scope you want to work on what are the problems you want to solve which kpis you want to follow right and then it's building the roadmap that leads to what you want to achieve. If you ask uh, 10 different companies that claim to have a control tower, Ulf, uh, they will give you 10 different answers on what a control tower is, right? Uh, so it's really important that you define what you want to achieve, right? I mean, and then, of course, having that North Star. What worked for me is, you know, defining what year one, two, three looks like, which type of capabilities you want to build which tracker you put in place in order to monitor progress against those targets, right? And of course, uh, it will evolve over, over time. Each year, your roadmap will look uh, slightly uh, different compared to the version number one, but it's how you really have the right mix between, uh, you know, the strategic thinking, what your North Star is, and then pragmatic deliverables. If you say, I mean, Control Tower is end-to-end, -end, you know, visibility and prescriptive response, I mean, that is your North Star. So what you do on year one, I mean, do you build functional expertise, functional data, logistics, planning, manufacturing, then, you know, as a second step, you define what the data accuracy and reliability looks like, uh, how you move from having all those functionals, you know, because you still need those functionals, uh, functional uh, data lakes into one end-to-end supply -end chain process, and how you embed prescriptive capabilities on top of that. So it's it's a journey, right? I think uh, and in, in sourcing or outsourcing, it's just a part of that. You need to discuss, mm -hmm. you know, and understand what process look like, which technology you want to select, right? Do you want, you know, even on the technology piece, does it make to buy, uh, to make? Do you want to go for a hybrid solution? So I would say it really depends on the journey, the maturity, what problem you want to solve. It really depends on the uh, yes, on the direction that you want to head and uh, and defining for your company what makes more sense. Essentially, you just gave us a blueprint on how to manage a control tower from day one, which is amazing. Thank you so much. Okay, so now you are with PMI as a vice president of operations, which is a big field. How does your day look like and, and how is life at PMI? Thank you for asking. It's really important that we get more acquainted of what uh, the journey of PMI is, right? But PMI has a, an end goal, which is really to enable a smoke-free future by providing aged legal consumers uh, a less harm, harmful alternative if they don't want to stop smoking, right? Uh, it's very clear that no one should start smoking. If you start, you should stop. But if you uh, don't want to stop, that there are other options out there. PMI is the only one in the industry that has made really that bold statement, which is completely changing the business model, right? Uh, and this is one of the things that really caught my attention, right? Because 
the logistics and the distribution model was not prepared for that. I mean, it, and it's really evolving super fast. So what makes the journey in PMI, I mean, super exciting for me is to enable that vision, right? I mean, uh, coming from a monocategory product, right, with uh, combustible cigarettes to really a multi-category portfolio that's expanding and evolving every time. Uh, so I'd say there's a lot about the learning on the fly. PMI, you know, moving totally from the comfort zone and challenging how, because basically it's we are rewriting history, right? We are re rewriting the way that supply chain operates. Uh, so what I mentioned before, I mean, all of that for me, it's super important finding a job, right? And I really feel that um, in PMI, we have that perfect mix of, uh, you know, being able to drive the change and really making an impactful difference on the way that, yes, uh, our company's position, but also primarily for, for my case on how the logistics is supporting that vision. The complexity and the challenge are increasing and, and supply chain needs really to gear up and be ready to show solid uh, added values to the business. And our, our exposure is bigger, right, every day. And therefore, it is the opportunity really uh, to deliver and to accelerate the, the journey. But uh, it's fun. I mean, it's been really fun uh, four months with the company and it's, uh, it's impressive uh, the way that we are transforming our supply chain here. Follow-up question on that, because you just talked about the exposure of logistics being being higher, mm -hmm. which I think is true. The question is, can supply chain, given that we hopefully don't go through another COVID, can supply chain stay on the table and stay as relevant in, in, in a company as it is right now in the future? And if yes, what are the moves they have to do to, to stay there? No, I think definitely right. I think there's no way back on that. I mean, supply chain today plays a key role in, in the way that, uh, you know, we, we provide an impactful differentiation, you know, when we compare ourselves with competitors, how we be make sure that our costs are more and more efficient over time, right? Uh, so it's around, you know, bringing the right level of information for right uh, decision making. It's around visibility. It's around, around uh, you know, being ahead of the curve, uh, having the forward-looking view to anticipate what customers will require next and making sure that our supply chain is ready to deliver. I mean, uh, we as a customer, as, you know, as consumers, we know exactly what we want. So uh, we need to make, as a, as a logistics function, as a supply chain function, uh, we need to enable that, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I have no doubt that uh, COVID helped accelerate that. I think that the data and the impact that supply chain brought during COVID times was huge. At some point, you know, everybody was able to talk supply chain back in 2020, 2021, uh, gave more exposure to the function, which is great because then we have the possibility to attract more professionals as well, right, uh, to, 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 to the function and exchange, right, with, uh, with the business, with commercials. So, I mean, I would say uh, more and more it's a visible profession that is attracting more talents and it gives, you know, the right level of exposure that, uh, that supply chain deserves. Can't agree more. The reason we have this podcast today is because we want to <laughs> also make sure people get excited about supply chains and might join us. Okay. Next question is, you already mentioned you have traveled the world from Brazil to Singapore to, to now you're in Europe. What are regional differences in supply chain management style you have picked mm -hmm. up over time? Is there, is there a difference? Look, I mean, I think on each of the, the these countries, right? You are uh, you are exposed to different supply chain challenges, right? Not necessarily management style, right? I mean, I think uh, the beauty of supply chain, and I really mean it, is you have the opportunity to work with diversity. I mean, uh, 
I reflect on all my teams, right? The number of nationalities, background, um, geography, age, I mean, that uh, we have is super rich. And that is also, you know, what makes uh, it interesting. So I would say not so much on the management style, but more on the challenge that uh, you face on the different regions uh, that, uh, that you go. I mean, uh, for me, I mean, in South America, we know customs, you know, specific uh, in the way that it impacts lead time and costs and duties. So I think over there we have the opportunity to optimize a lot. And I would say that uh, gave me, you know, the opportunity to work a lot of on that field. If you go to Asia, for example, I mean, Asia and Singapore, right, is a natural hub for logistics. Uh, and it's where a lot of innovation happens. So logistics is, you know, ahead in, in, in several, you know, uh, streams uh, so i would say in, in, in asia it's kind of the uh, opportunity that you have is really about this innovation and how you can leverage and improve uh, leverage the hub uh, capability and improve flows right improve improve the way that uh, sustainability is discussed uh, in, in all of that in europe uh, we have other type of uh, constraints and uh, challenge around you know uh, local events, resilience, and how you need to make sure that your supply chain is constantly efficient um, to respond, you know, to the inflationary challenge that we have. So I would say all in all, each of the geographies gives you different opportunities of learning and uh, making, uh, yes, uh, it more efficient, uh, I would say, and how we learn from each other, right? So if you have this end-to-end -end network uh, really well-structured, there are several good things which happen on the different geographies because of the different problems that uh, we are facing. It's taking those learnings from uh, one uh, place to the other, right? So creating a network of talents, of experts, where we bring those cases uh, to the broader team. And then we, you know, uh, we gear the, the engine to make sure that we are always uh, learning from the process, learning from the uh, events and making the supply chain better overall. I would say we need to take... Uh, what happens in all the geographies and make it and scalable and sorry and scale it up uh, and and uh, yes and learn from the good practices. One question on I know you you worked also a lot in your career on risks right you just mentioned mm -hmm. Europe but I I know that you have globally tackled risks and logistics a lot. Is there any exciting case uh, that you you man you managed very successfully that you you can share today? Basically, there's a lot of uh, repetition, right? I mean, uh, you see a lot of events that, uh, you know, happen in one geography, you name, I don't know, strike, port congestion, you know, all the obvious stuff, uh, uh, new customs regulation. Uh, but there are a lot of events which happen in one place, but basically the way of uh, responding, reacting, and even anticipating with uh, contingency, you can replicate. So I, uh, during, uh, you know, the, the, the moment I was running the control tower and even today, right, what we can see is basically how you define those, uh, those cases that you know that we have a high uh, uh, possibility of happening and you structure your contingency accordingly, right? Uh, we had a few, I mean, I won't say the Suez Canal event, I, I won't say, you know, one of the... Uh, uh, bankruptcy in a major carrier that uh, some time ago, you know, uh, helped accelerate, you know, the, the way that we manage risk in the companies. But I mean, how you leverage uh, analytics, um, data and process in order to always respond uh, better, anticipate risk and uh, manage that on a way that uh, 
demonstrate that supply chain is in control, right? Because events will happen. What is important is uh, that you anticipate, you have uh, visibility the moment it does, and you demonstrate that you have the ability to control the situation, to avoid cost, uh, to avoid customer impact, you know, to minimize risks, to minimize uh, costs, uh, and demonstrate that supply chain is in control. I think that is around risk management. And again, events, we have uh, dozens or even hundreds every every year, right? It's about anticipation, uh, learning from learning from uh, from experience, and uh, securing that we um, improve uh, continuously the way that the, the way that we answer to those events. Okay, last question for today. <laughs> I do know you're an avid fan of Brazilian music, and I personally don't know enough about that topic. Do you really like Brazilian music because it also connects you back to your roots? And then also, what would be a song that you would recommend me and everybody else to, to listen to? Because it's, it describes what you feel when you think about supply chain management. I love Brazilian music. Actually, uh, you know, I can, uh, it's, it's uh, whenever I have some spare time, uh, it's, I, I enjoy listening to uh, Bossa Nova, to Samba, to uh, MPB, it's uh, Musica Popular Brasileira, but basically it's Brazilian popular music where you have uh, plenty of artists uh, that uh, it's just, you know, relaxing, uh, listen to. It uh, reminds of a uh, previous time when I was living there. So I try to, uh, yes, I mean, it's something that I, whenever I have uh, some spare time going back uh, home, you know, from the office, uh, I try to disconnect. I don't have a particular music that, um, uh, that you know, could relate uh, to... Uh, to supply chain, uh, you know, but uh, it's actually a way for me to uh, kind of uh, disconnect, I would say, from uh, from the daily uh, challenge, but I really enjoy. And I mean, if you are not familiar with uh, Brazilian music, I would suggest that you look at uh, some uh, important artists like uh, uh, Caetano Veloso or Chico Buarque or Elise Regina. I mean, uh, those are artists that I really uh, enjoyed uh, listening to. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's great music. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I get that. And it's good also to have a, an out, right? To wind <laughs> down. You have a lot of passion for what you do, but you also need an outlet. For me, it's sports. For you, it's music. It's it's great. Also sports. I mean, as long as Brazil is not playing Germany, you know, in the <laughs> World Cup semifinals. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that happened. This will ne never happen again. I can promise that. That was a very big and that was a risk outlier, actually. Yeah. It was that we didn't see it coming, but I would uh, would say you know we still cheer up for you on the final uh, in Maracanã. Yeah. So well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think everybody has this one moment of glory, and Germany had it there. I think that was really good. Now not so hot anymore, actually. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, uh, with that anecdote on football, we wish everybody a great day. I hope you enjoyed the episode and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Wolf. I did enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Clara. It was great. Yeah, thanks for being here. And now I should have said that before. Anyway, have a nice day, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs> this was Supply Chain Pioneers. Thanks for watching, listening, or however you are enjoying this podcast. You can find Supply Chain Pioneers on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all other major podcast players, as well as on YouTube at Wolf Talk Supply Chain. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. See you next time.